I think in his mind, it's like, yeah, I take off, I go huge in the first turn. If I make it, I'm on, on my way to a seven minimum. If I don't make it, I'm right back out the back and I just do it again, so. And welcome back to the Stab Cusp. Uh, we are on episode God knows what, and we are just coming out of the Corona Open, Corona Pro something, Mexico, Barra de la Cruz. Uh, just finished finals day in some really, really fun looking surf. Um, first and foremost, Stace, uh, we need to pat ourselves on the back. We did pretty well with our picks this time. Yeah. I'm fucking devoted at how good I was with my picks, to be honest with you. I wish you'll pick one with the women. Yeah. That would have been a bit bittersweet for you. <laughs> I would imagine, um, especially because of the bigger kind of ramifications around what happened. Um, do you want to kind of break break that down a bit well you're a, you 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 came out of the gates really strong you called malia and then i actually don't think we picked a men's winner uh i think we just shit talked for too long and didn't actually nail it but you put really strong um calls out there about Matthias hurdy which we can say he was your men's pick so for him to finish up with a third um, you did really well out of this event, Mikey. Congratulations. But yeah, in the women's final, it was Steph Gilmore defeating Malia Manuel in what was an amazing heat. You know, they were both surfing really strong and it was entertaining to watch and the women lit that wave up. So it was sick. Both semis were entertaining and yeah, it was, it was, it was all time. Did you, did you get to watch it live or did you have to give yourself a bit of a recap? I know you've had a bit on your plate lately. Uh, well, I I got to watch it live in between dozing in and out of a painful sleep. Um, we just premiered our last episode of Stab High last night, and we decided to celebrate with a few uh, beers and other libations. And I wasn't feeling too good this morning. So, um, yeah, pretty much was like trying to stay awake to watch the women and the men and was just kind of like, oh, fuck. So I I just basically listened for Joe Turpel's tone to go up and then I knew to open my eyes. (laughs) So I got to catch like a decent amount of the final. Oh, that's amazing. Should we put the the call of the WSL event on hold and and get a bit of a uh, debrief on the, the Stab High event slash after party? That sounds pretty interesting yeah it was it was uh you know we did a, a quote-unquote live premiere um similar to what we do with surf 100 where the surfing is pre-filmed pre-packaged but it's presented as live by live hosts so we had dylan graves nathan fletcher coco ho hosting the show and we got to show the last day of competition where all the scores went back to zero um if you're listening to this podcast, I would hope that this is not really a spoiler alert because you probably know from Instagram and hopefully by watching it yourself, but Matt Miola won, um, Aton Osborne and Matt Miola tied for the Monster Air win and Aaron Brooks won the Ladybirds. And uh, yeah, it was just a pretty amazing final, I thought, because we were there for 10 days and we saw a lot of good airs go down, but uh, like the finalists really clicked into gear on the last day and like landed some big airs and... Yeah, it was it was a really cool show. And then after the fact, we just went out and, you know, we, we've put months and months into this thing and a lot of late nights and everything. So we just wanted to blow off some steam. And um, yeah, we I think we can say that we did that. <laughs> I ended up um, basically homeless at the end of the night. And my buddy Jack and I, who also works for STAB, formerly known as The Intern, 
um, had to find ourselves a hotel and ended up getting denied by one place and then <laughs> had to walk across a highway in San Clemente and climb a fence. <laughs> Eventually, we stumbled into a couple beds. So, Fucking yeah, rock stars. That's a hell one. Wow. Uh, well, with New South Wales in a hard lockdown and me being on the south end of uh, the Queensland border, those kind of stories are pretty few and far between at the moment. So hearing that story gives me hope for... Uh, the future of um, having a few tins with the lads down the track. But, nah, good on you. And, uh, yeah, the whole team definitely deserve it. That looked like a massive effort. Um, and the surfers, too. The, the episode was sick and good call tying the monster air between Aton and Matt. Like, if you, you couldn't put two more different airs together, I don't think, and then try to compare them, it, it's impossible. That, those two airs should not be compared as much as we <laughs> try to. They, they were both amazing yeah well i'm glad you thought so there's definitely a bit of polarity in what people thought um you know height versus what what i guess we're calling magnitude which is you know kind of like projection times speed times whatever just the the impact of an air um but yeah the surfers voted and it was a split decision nine and nine so there we are tie for the monster air do you reckon there's any kind of weird political strategies going on in the back rooms to like sway votes (laughs) Uh, there might have been, but what I know for sure is that Matt Miola wishes that he'd voted for himself because he told me last night that he voted for Aton, <laughs> and he's like, "Fuck! If I just voted for myself, I would have won." Who did Aton vote for? I'm not sure. Oh, that's classic. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and and okay, so just I guess for some context as well, back to uh, Mateus a little bit, like. We all got to know Mateus really well on that trip, and he is just such a good guy. Like he just has such an incredible like character, and he's he's such a cool dude. And everybody really loved hanging out with him. And so, the night that we were filming the live premiere, um, it was also the night of like the quarterfinals. And while we were doing some um, prep work and stuff, we were all huddled around the computer watching him versus Italo and everybody was like screaming when Mateus would get up on a wave. And when he did that one air in particular, it was like everyone freaked out. And yeah, it was really cool to see them kind of like cheering on um, another stab high competitor in a totally different sort of competitive format. And it was also incredible to have our thoughts on Mateus's surfing validated in kind of a more structured surf contest and one against the best surfers in the world. Um, and you know, like I said in the last episode, like you could see him doing two, three airs on a wave and he did that multiple times, um, at Barra and he just, yeah, basically showed that he's uh, pretty much ready to surf at that level. I think that being said, the one part of his surfing that didn't quite have as much bite as the CT guys was just his rail surfing just looked a little bit more on top of the water than some of the other guys, but that'll come with time and strength. And I think that he's going to have a really, really bright future. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, getting back to the, the contest in Mexico, and, and particularly Mateus, how many times do you see a wild card get in the event and they all state they're going to surf like a wild card and then they get in the Rashi and they all just do three to the beach anyway? It was so refreshing to see Mateus surf like a wild card and just be loose and free and having a go at 110%. And if he pulled it, sick. And if he didn't, 
he'd just go and try it again. And it was so awesome to see. He just, he never, even when he got to like a result of like, oh, how cool is this? He still just kept on doing the same thing, which was so awesome to see, like attacking the first section and just sending it as hard as he could. And I think that's like something that, you know, a lot of youngsters, they all claim they're going to do it, but they never, never quite do. The Rashi seems to weigh them down, but he, he definitely didn't, didn't show that. So that was so sick to see. Yeah, I mean, and I totally hear what you're saying, but I also, like, when I think about it logically, that is almost, like, his best strategy because he is so consistent at airs. Like, we did actually, one of the things in Stab High that we did is we calculated all the surfers' make ratios, and he was like second highest, I think, and he was above 33%. So he was making over a third of his airs in like kind of tricky, dumpy beach break conditions. And it looked like in that event, he was probably closer to like 60 or 70% completion rate. So I think in his mind, it's like, yeah, I take off, I go huge in the first turn. If I make it, I'm on, on my way to a seven minimum. If I don't make it, I'm right back out the back and I just do it again. So I think it was not only like fun to watch and like cool to see him quote unquote surf like a wild card, but I also think it was smart strategically. Like I don't think that he was just out there doing it flippantly. Like he had a an idea in his mind and he went out and he exited. Definitely. It. It's um it's cool to see, but I still stand by the fact that like a lot of people could be doing that and they're not. And it was cool to see that he he did it. And um yeah, I hope that, like, he doesn't, you know, because I feel like Julian would have, that's how he probably started, you know, his career, like, doing stuff like that, and it was so exciting, but then I guess you get too much positive affirmation from the judges, they start giving you eights for doing cutbacks and stuff, and you're like, oh, why would I do an air? <laughs> but I hope that he never loses that, because it just brings so much more enjoyment um, to the viewers, and I think that that is kind of, like, a big reason for why the WSL exists is entertainment. 100%. For sure. And I think the days of giving away eights for cutbacks is sometimes long gone. And I think you see that in Italo, like how much he needed to step up and really push through his turns. There was one interview that Italo did where he said the word dynamic about nine times. And it almost made me think that he'd sat down with the judges or something and they said, hey, mate, we need you to be a bit more dynamic with your rail surfing. And then he went out and had a pretty good heat where he still only got like a couple of sevens and he came in and he was fuming. You know, he wasn't flipping off or anything, but for him, he was pretty animated. Yeah, um, that was a hard heat, you know. Uh, I got a couple of nice ones, big tunnels outside, you know, and finish with um, dynamic maneuvers, you know, and his call was kind of low. Last wave, I got a sick one and that was the difference, you know, and um, I think I did everything that I can on that wave, you know, and just surf and, and show uh, to the judge the dynam- dynamic surf, you know, not like, just <laughs> like this, you know. But anyway, um, I'm in the game, and Go vertical, go um, do something dynamic, you know, and, and yeah, with the speed and power. And he was really just trying to send the message back to the tower, I felt. It was like a salesman's pitch. I'm being dynamic, dynamic this, ah. dynamic that, dynamic turns, dynamic dynamic and i'm thinking wow this guy's he's been told he needs to be more dynamic that's what it felt like and he definitely showed that towards the tail end of the event but i think that sometimes for him like you say some of the ct surfers they think they can just get there by doing a few turns but that day those days are they're not they're long gone in in the men's side of things yeah and i think too like i mean it's a bit of the curse of the 
backside surfer where it's just really hard to show like variation and difference in your surfing. Um, but like, I, like, I don't need to see Italo do eight turns on it. Right. Like, I don't really get much out of that. Like I even thought in his heat against Slater, I thought Slater was getting like underscored, like Slater to me, I think Slater and Mateus to me were the two most fun surfers to watch in this event. Like Slater, a lot of pro surfers right now, I think surf really, really similarly, um, I see it actually, especially in the women. I feel like every regular-footed woman looks exactly the same, except for Steph. Um, and it's like they've just been coached to death, you know? And whereas, like, Slater, I don't know, he just looks so different on a wave. He's so loose and lively and just doing things and seeing things that other people aren't. And that, to me, is so much more fun to watch at a point break where it does get monotonous, you know? And so I almost thought that, like, like he lost to Italo by a fair margin, and I thought it should have been a lot closer. Yeah, there's actually so many layers to what you just said there. I'll go with my first thought of that. There's one wave that Italo got at Snapper in, I think it was 2015, and it's on his fan page that he created for himself, IF15 Sports, I think is what it is. And it's one of the best backside waves ever surfed, but I don't think he's gotten back to that level of like spontaneous backside ripping. And the reason why I say spontaneous is because I think that that's what, who won these events um, or who stood out to me anyway. It was like this perfectly long canvas. It was the surfers like Kelly who surfed the wave for what it was and, and didn't have like a pre-recorded carve snap combo in their head. Um, you know, without tooting her on too much. Like I thought Malia did that really well as well. You know, going fast and just surfing to what the wave would dictate rather than like writing your script before you've even stood up and um, yeah backside that's obviously harder to do but I think there's still a big horn from the judges for backside surfing if you can tickle their fancies well that leads us into one of our finalists um, David Silva of Brazil who, according to Joe Turpel, Slater said that David has the best backside on tour, which in theory means he has the best backside in the world. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with the GOAT on that one. Although I love David like as a bloke. He was someone to me who, when I was interviewing him through Australia, was just such a classic. And I, I know he wanted to say a lot more, but his English is just so limited that it was hard to get much out of him. But he is such a nice guy and such an awesome surfer and it was sick to see him get a result but he definitely for me does not have the best backhand on tour I think that variety is the reason that he lost the heat because I don't necessarily think Jack Robinson beat him (laughs) (laughs) but what I think is that the judges, they know they need to send a message and if they send a message that what David's doing is how you win CTs. It's a dangerous message to say, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, but I don't think I saw a different turn out of David from round one to the final. And uh, I do, I'm a big believer in variety. And although I didn't think Robbo necessarily did his best surfing in the final, he definitely won in the variety category. So that's where it's, I'm very happy for the greater good that he won, but. For me, that was a t- that was you know it was tight on paper, fifteen point one six to fifteen point one four. But, whew, 
It's definitely a split panel on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, if you look at the WSL's Instagram comments, you have a lot of uh, ardent Brazilian fans who agree with you. And I don't necessarily disagree with you either. Um, like that error that Jack Rabo did was pretty terrible, to be honest, like by the, by his standards, of course. Um, if I did it, it would be the best turn of my life, probably. But um, You do big punts, dude. Come on. Yeah, but I mean, he, you know, it was, he came out of a barrel. So I guess you have to like give some credit to that. It wasn't like he like had been lining up this air section from 50 meters away, but he just didn't really connect with his board. Like he kind of lost his board in midair. It wasn't very high. It wasn't very controlled. wasn't very stylish. Like just wasn't really a good air. And I, I thought they went a bit high on that score as well. But to your point, I also understand why, yeah, David surfing, it is really nice, but the, to use the the d word there was nothing dynamic about it at all like it was just like absolutely standard so um yeah it was int- i mean you you look at the whole even the semifinals it was such an interesting group you know it was leo mateus david and jack like if anybody would have picked those four guys to win at the end of the event i think you would have walked away with a lot of money <laughs> definitely that was a crazy crazy little quaddy of blokes left over and either one of those guys you know deserve to win it with how they were surfing to get to that point but that final for me it had so many like layers for the like i said earlier the greater good it wasn't just about who who do we decide for the judges like who wins this final it's more of like an overall what surfing do we want to see from our tour and i think (laughs) you you do i think we all do we do want to see the kind of surfing that Jack put down but if that was a round one heat <laughs> I think David wins man I don't know it was a hard <laughs> one I really I, I, I mean I don't mean that the wrong way but I just uh, it was a funny one I definitely saw some some good moments from, uh, from from young David Silver but the big story for both of them results aside you could debate that result all day long um, the, the results aside um they both came from like 24 and 26 respectively all the way into like the top 15 to requalify. That is so freaking cool. And not many crew are doing that. That's legendary. Yeah. Um, unbelievable. And then we also had uh, Kelly Slater make the jump, which he was probably going to get an injury wild card regardless, but it's good that he didn't because this will help his seed because um, Kolohe is going to get the first injury wild card, I think. Um, and yeah, so it'll it'll help Kelly moving forward. And then uh, Jadson Andre also made the jump, the cockroach. You just can't kill that guy. Mate, that guy. Talk about stepping up when it needs to be done. That's so well, cool. And on that too, like Jack Robinson, just what is it with him I just know. leaving into the and last And like the event? last second, he loves a buzzer beater and he loves bringing it home in the last event he obviously did it at sunset to qualify and now he's done it in the last event with his pet event being cancelled right before his very own eyes while he was there obviously the news of Tahiti being cancelled is is not breaking news but you know at the time for him that would have rocked his world he would have been putting a lot of eggs into that basket and then to have that whipped away from you and be like nah this is your last chance for him to pull it off, like, that is so cool. Like, what a cool story. Good on him. Like, that's so next level to think about. I think we could say that um, you are basically the, the biggest factor in all of that. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know about that. you can take responsibility for Jack's win. <laughs> oh, you're, 
No, you can. You're it's the true. journalist. I'll let you write that story. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie though. I definitely. I definitely. It makes the like the 13 year old inside of me pretty giddy because I do love those little stories that you hear um, that might get passed around at like you know your local sports club. And, and yeah, I've got one of them, you know, like, oh, I gave Jack Robbo a go on one of my boards and then he liked them and he went and ordered a few more and won a comp. Like, it definitely gets me stoked for sure, but I, I'm definitely not the biggest factor in it. I think the work that the athletes put in is, you know, you hang out with those crew and you see how much they want it, especially Jack. He's in the prime of his career. He's focusing so hard. He's putting all of his energy and thought into it. Um yeah, there's a lot of people that helped Jack to get where he got to. And uh, yeah, surfboards definitely are a big part of your, your, your solutions to fixing problems. But I think Jack, he's been on this journey for a while now and he, you know, he deserves all the all the credit for this one. He's had a lot of support, um, you know, particularly from Volcom, Matt Bemrose, uh, and then obviously over there, uh, Leandro Dora, who's Yago's dad. That'd be stoked. Like what a, what a cool result to keep Jack on tour. Um, first event win like you know he has been compared to Andy Andy obviously won that event 06 like it's just a sick story I'm, I'm pumped for him yeah but I don't think we can downplay the impact of the sharp eye and I mean it just their their legend is just growing by the week I mean in this event on the men's side alone they had Felipe Kanoa Morgan Jack Rio Leo and is that it? That might be it. But that's six guys. I think Miguel Miguel has been riding their boards a little bit as well. Maybe not on the team, but definitely getting a couple. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty unbelievable, and pretty much everybody that gets on them sees an instant surge forward. Right? Like, I mean, we saw it happen to Kanoa. We saw it happen to right now Jack, obviously. Um, and who else have we seen? Um, Morgan. Joe and Joe and Defay. And Morgan. Morgan. Morgan's a different... I mean, yeah. he's number four in the world going into the fucking WSL finals. Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty mm. unbelievable. So I oh, think that there's is. a bigger story to tell there as well, and I'm, I'm going to be working on that. My surf nerd mate, Lincoln Ether, put a thing on his Instagram this morning, um, which I haven't fact-checked, but I'll lean on it, and that's sharp. I have 50% of the people in the Rip Curl WSL finals. Oh, I just sound like I don't know. I just sounded like I was on a broadcast then. Um, yeah, <laughs> they they're dominating. Like the team at Sharp Eye, Australia and America are, are dominating, and like that is such a powerful thing for for that brand to have boards coming out of either side of the Pacific that are going really good, uh, and everyone's ripping on them. It's pretty sick. I got one and in, Bali too. I, I got one in Indo and it was amazing. In Bali. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, Rio's attest to that and um, he, he was amazing at this event as well although he did do one thing in his heat against Philippe which just freaked me out and made me want to slam my laptop on the ground he got a wave with like 40 seconds to go stood up on the wave and did three needed a four did three mediocre turns got to that middle point of the wave where it gets a bit fat looked out over the back to see if there was another set and then proceeded to finish his wave Grom, that's your last chance you're going to get. You're not going to get another wave and you've just done three turns. It doesn't matter if Philippe's up on the wave behind, dude. You need to finish your wave as best you can. Okay. <laughs> like... I have I have a thought about this, actually, because when you first told me about this, I was like, yeah, that sounds so stupid. It's the last, it's your last wave. But then I went back and watched it and I thought about it and I was like, wait, this is actually genius. I know what you're going to say. 
I know what you're going to say. And well, I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. I confident. Is that, so he had, you know, surfed his way to maybe the score already at that point. Maybe it was like a point shy, right? So by looking... Well, there's your kryptonite right there. If you already think he got the score, then looking over the back does nothing for you. And you need to fucking do an air on the inside anyway. I know what you're going to say. Well, yeah, but if he sees that Felipe is on a wave behind him, he knows that there's a possibility that Felipe is going to better his current situation, which means that he would need to push it way harder on the inside versus if he just needs to get that four, he can just safety surf his way. I think it was genius. You've already fucked it. If you've looked over the back, you're telling the judges one thing and that's you're scared as fuck. And that, no, I ain't, re- I ain't buying into that. He already, like you said, he already had the score. He needed a forward, did three turns out the back. He's, he's locked it in. You need to keep pushing because you want to assume that Philippe's out the back going to town. He only needed to better a two. If he gets a four and then you need a six, five, your little cheese whiz there reverse on the inside isn't going to matter anyway. So you might as well be toweling up the way from start to finish. That just, oh man, that killed me. But I'm frothing the same win. That was sick. <laughs> Speaking of pretty special, they granted Adrian and Souza one last lap with uh, a wave before the final. Yeah, which I, I thought, thought was that special. was interesting. Send AD, ADS off the way he deserves. I wonder if that was a decision made based off of his world title. Because if I'm Jeremy, I'm kind of feeling Yeah, it. world title definitely talks, for sure. Yeah. Well, um, another surfer that we appear to have lost off tour is our beloved pal Ace Buckin, um, who technically finished behind Mateus Hurdy. In this year's tour, despite Mateus surfing only one. Maybe Ace might yeah. go for that second injury one. Could, because Slater's not going to need it. John's not going to need it. So that leaves Kolohe, and nobody else is really in a position to claim it. Nobody else has taken many events off. So uh, that is very truly a possibility for Ace. He did miss two events. Um, although, I guess it could be said that he opted out of two events, right? Or at least one of them. Opted out of one, like Owen. And then missed another. However, I've got to correct myself there. These wildcards are no longer injury wildcards. That must be stated. These new spots that they're allocating on tour are wildcards. So that's where our conversation about Malia has a lot of validity because they're the first ones that aren't qualified. However given the year that everyone had and whatnot, like you said, there could be some empathy uh, given there. But as far as being injured and applying, I think like a surfer like Nicky Van Dyke and Ace Bucken are kind of in that same category in that, yes, they missed events due to injury, which is very unfortunate and you never want to be missing events because you're hurt. But as far as the rule book is concerned, these wild cards will be applied for just putting your best foot forward and, and, and people are going to have to kind of just put their hands up and sort of say how good they are and why they deserve a spot on tour because putting the word injury in there really isn't going to hold any water anymore. These spots are opened yeah, up for I think, well, everyone. In a sense, I get the idea that the WSL is really just doing that to kind of cover them a little bit and to like give them more ultimate decision-making power. Um, I do think that it would be absurd if they didn't grant a couple injury wild cards, at least one to the men. And the, like, there's no way that Lakey Peterson doesn't get one. You know what I mean? Like, Lakey Peterson, 100% is going to be on tour next year. And Kolohe Andino, 100% is going to be on tour next year. And that's based on their competitive history, 
multiplied by an injury that took them out for the majority of the season. But you're right that technically the WSL does not have a defined number of wild cards to go to a specific type of surfer for a specific reason or whatever. So they do have a lot of decisions to make. So yeah, I I guess uh, that brings me to um, another award that we should, I guess, talk about, which is the Rookies of the Year. And that would be Isabella Nichols on the women's side, who finished within the top nine, of course, so she's going to re-qualify. And Morgan Sibillic on the men's side, who just went above and beyond everybody's expectations, um, maybe two or threefold, and found himself fourth in the world behind the Brazilian trio. Um, and he'll be surfing in the lowers WSL finals. Incredible uh, for both. Uh you know, it's so hard, I think, to be a rookie on tour. You see so many rookies just do a lap and then fall off and then maybe make it back on later in their career. So if you can get a couple of years back-to-back, it's so massive for your career. And I think full credit, Isabella, for where she finished up in the year, coming in at eighth in what was a stacked year for women's surfing. There's no dead rubber between, you know, the top 10 anymore. Like, Tyler Wright finished seventh, and Courtney Conlog finished behind Isabella in ninth. So you think about the company that she's in and the total points that she accumulated and, and where her competitors finished around her, that's next level. So crazy performance from her from start to finish to, to keep her nerve as a rookie and, yeah, good on her. And then, obviously, Morgs. That's, you know, the Aussies have got someone to cheer for in the men's come the world title, which is so exciting. Can't wait. Yeah, we were... Um kind of joking in uh the stab high event that like it's like really like man the americans and australians really each got like a token surfer in the finals and it's just gonna be like yeah we're just there to represent you know it's gonna be pretty hard for either or both of them to get past that group of brazilians they are just so dominant in every sense of the word um and i think it would be good for us to obviously do a whole episode dedicated to that event and get into this a bit deeper um but yeah it's really interesting to talk about the top five and and i guess we should also talk about the women's top five um so that finished up with obviously carissa number one tati number two sally three steph four and joanne de fay fifth how do you feel about that little cluster really strong uh surprised to see caroline marks not in there uh and i think joanne would be kicking herself relinquishing that number two spot and finishing in fifth uh that's Man, this event had so much action. In as much as you know, we're all undecided on the top five and and how it's all going to play out and whatnot. There was like obviously twice as many storylines now with people needing to requalify and then making the top five. And for me, those two names in the women were were surprising to me to to where they finished. And yeah, Tyler Wright as well, not in the top five. Courtney Conalog like barely requalified. Um, and that's surprising for her. Like Courtney Conlog's a title surfer, has been for you know the last decade, and this one day showdown is going to be going to be interesting. I I, I think that um, I really like Joanne's chances if she finished a little higher. I just think she's got something about her where she seems to bring her best out against Carissa. Um, I think she's got a 2-1 this year. But with Joanne finishing fifth, man, she's got to get through some talent to end up in that final. And, um, you know, 
the way Steph looked at, at on a right hand point break, I'll be the first to admit sometimes you forget how good the greats are. And you know, Steph at Trestles is is no slouch. She's won there, and it's gonna be a gonna be a good day. Yeah. Um. And what else did I have? Well, oh, how do you how Steph- do you, how do you see that day going? Well, like I said, I I would rather like focus a whole show on that because I think there's so much to unpack and it'll be better when we can kind of see a forecast and we have a better idea of, you know, what the conditions are going to be like. Um, But in this event, I guess we also just like on that point of Steph, um, she won her 32nd career CT today, which is the second most of any surfer, male or female, um, which is really impressive. Obviously, I think we know who number one is on that record. Um, But yeah, well done to Steph. It was just, I don't know, it's, we really need to, I think, appreciate and embrace the events like these, where we get to see guys like Slater and women like Steph really surf their best, because it's just not going to be around forever, you know, they're not going to be on tour forever, and they are, at this point in time, and I would say for a long while, going to be the best competitors in our sport, like, history, so, yeah, it's just really, like, I'm just savoring every moment of, I guess, getting to watch them compete, especially in a wave like Barra, you know, head high, slightly overhead, right-hand point breaks. For sure. I think, particularly Steph, how positioned she was, you know, Tahiti being the last event, obviously not loving going left, but loves getting barreled, so I'm sure she would have figured it out. But to be finishing in Mexico with a win leading into the finals for her that's that's a dream scenario so she's going to take so much out of that and uh yeah like i said before i'd be the first to admit I, you kind of forget how good the greats are sometimes but when you see them connect with a wave out there so uh yeah. anything else you want to cover from the event yeah i just think that overall i think there was a few people that needed big results in that event and i know i'm, I'm obviously pretty close to malia but i think that she she put her best foot forward and, and had her best surfing on display. Um, she got the help of uh, Uncle Reynos Hayes over there in Hawaii and and, and, and abroad, and, and she used him here at this event to, to help her get through the week. And I just thought they they did amazing at dissecting the lineup, and Malia's so clever at picking apart waves. And with the Andy jersey on and stuff, like, yeah, definitely every wave she was riding just felt like it had so much in it. And uh, that was a, a cool story for me. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I've worked with Malia for the last four years and pretty close to her. So to see her pull up short was definitely heartbreaking. But just overall, I thought her performance was so strong. She had the hardest route to the final and, yeah, put her best surfing on display. So I think that for me was a, was a good storyline. And the, the time difference is pretty bad for me over here. So it was... Felt it, found it hard to get back to sleep a few times, but there was definitely some sick um, I thought it was interesting how in the final, Malia, first time she ran around, she got like stuck standing in the rocks for like two minutes, just waves washing over her time and time again. And then the next time, Steph actually caught the wave before her and Steph started paddling back out. Malia surfed her wave to the end after Steph's, went in, ran around, and she got out before Steph that time and that's when she got her best wave so that was like a pretty interesting like if i was malia i would have been so scared of getting caught inside again and i don't know if i would have taken that chance but she did and it paid off um and then man she just that that last opportunity that she got with a few minutes left in the heat it looked like a really nice big wave and um looked like her foot just slipped off so i don't know if uh 
just needed a little bit of wax on the pad or what but yeah how did you feel watching that happen oh yeah that, that was heartbreaking but if if i'm honest i think that wave just kind of fattened out uh as those bigger waves sort of did if you didn't get the barrel out the back or a big blow tail or something on that first section like i don't think a carve was gonna get the score required but never nice to fall on a set wave but I think that the wax was probably melting off that black deck grip, so it probably didn't didn't matter. It looked looked pretty hot, and I think by all accounts, the the effort that the surfers were putting in was was you know maximum capacity with sort of you know the water's like a bath over there, or can be, and 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 the, and the the summer air as well. So yeah, I think yeah maybe some tired legs, but I think the opportunities she gave herself throughout the heat were you know that was it, and the scores were down and. That was just the way it went. I think Steph standing up on a set wave certainly helped her cause and and fantastic surfing as well. So it was an entertaining heat. I think all the heats for the women were super entertaining. I think they all should be pretty proud of how they looked yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, Carissa, in a few of her earlier heats, like her heat against Isabella, like, I mean, the wave she caught was like one of the best waves that came through all event, but she surfed the shit out of that thing for like a 9.8. Um, and then to your point, though, in the final when I was seeing the the scores on their first few um, sort of waves come through and Steph just kept getting like a notch up on Malia, like whether or not you actually thought she was surfing better than her, I was thinking in my mind like, man, Malia's going to have to do something different if she actually wants a chance to win this heat. And I was thinking like, if you were her coach or whatever and that was happening, like would you have had a game plan where, you know, if Steph's getting eights and you're getting sevens or whatever, that you need to go find a barrel. Because there were good barrels out there. And I was thinking, like, if I'm Malia, I might just go sit super deep and try to do something that has not been done in this heat, you know, a la Jack winning that other final. Um, and I think that would have probably been, like, what I had in mind for her strategy. But then she caught that one wave and surfed the shit out of it to an eight as well. So maybe she didn't have to do that. But that was just what I was kind of thinking from a strategy Yeah, standpoint. it's an interesting point. Um and it's something easy for me to comment on now in hindsight, but I, I can say that something that we tried to work on a lot is over surfing the smaller waves. So when she paddled into that smaller wave, it was really refreshing to see her over surf that wave and get that eight because it's something that in the past she would have A, let that wave go or B, caught it and still surfed it to a six which in that point in the final, you don't need another six. And it was sort of something that we'd picked up on at, at Honolulu Bay and, and Snapper and a few of these other waves that are similar. And it's like, you, you don't need to repeat your score. Rather see you fall on the first section or continue to build momentum as you go. And I think you saw that on the 827. Like the surfing on that wave was tip top. Four vertical snaps followed up by a huge carve and finished off strong on the closeout section. I, I think that that for me strategy wise was sort of similar to what you're saying like either sit deep or rip the shit out of a small one and with 11 minutes to go doing that I put her in a really good spot for the rest of the heat it, it didn't turn the heat but it put her in the conversation Steph had an 8.5 Malia had an 8.27 and it's almost like well you just need to hope you get another opportunity with kind of 6 or 7 minutes to go uh, because Malia was certainly out of rhythm at the start there so to see her put herself back in rhythm that way pat on the back but pat on the backs don't really matter when you're not winning the event and you get knocked off tour. So it's a, a hard one for, yeah, it's, it's a hard one to digest. And 
you know, you can follow process and you can follow these things and you can read your books and do your shit. But at the end of the day, these results have consequences for these people and it fucking mm. sucks and when you It's lose. interesting too, like the psychological aspect of that, like the idea of oversurfing a small wave because like just theoretically, right? If they had um, had less swell today, right? And that wave that Malia caught was a set, she would have been more scared to surf it the way she did. And then on the other hand, if the waves were bigger the sets that they were riding today that they were maybe like safety surfing they would have felt more free to like let loose on those and it's just i don't know it's just such an interesting thing like i when i see somebody take off on a set in a contest i get nervous i'm like don't fall like that's just my natural instinct is because the wave is so good that if you just don't fall you'll you know get a score or whatever but it's just crazy like these guys are and girls are so good like if they just like surfed freely all the time like it seems like scores would just come in so much more like like big scores would come in so much more heavily they do for the surfers that do that and that's why they get those bigger scores and that's what the judges want to see they want to see instinctual surfing they don't want to see you stand up on a nine and surf it to a six and and it sounds dumb to say that but it, it happens a lot and Getting back to like Malia's psychological framework, again, it feels weird sort of talking about it being so close to, to her camp, but I don't know many better people in the world on or off tour that can identify a good set wave than her. She is world class, top of her field at identifying the right wave. So when I'm a coach trying to tell her, hey, pick off a small one and rip the shit out of it, that doesn't sit well with her. That, that's like, no, I, I don't want to pick off a small one. I want to sit and wait for a set. She's like a Hawaiian purebred wants to be on the best wave. And it's like her dad's like that and all her family and friends are like that. But strategically in a heat, sometimes you need to do that. So there's, there's a lot of layers to it. And I thought she did that really well in this heat to get her back in the conversation. So I think you can take a lot of positives out of that. But like I said, she's still entering the US Open in September and that fucking sucks. <laughs> well, I think she's won that event, hasn't she? It's, it's a QS though, Mikey. There's such a big, like you so, go from the CT to the QS at 28 years old. It's, it's not cool. So we'll see how that plays out. All right. Well, um, I think that's it for Mexico. It was a crazy event. So much happened. I mean, the fact that it just turned into the last event of the year huge bombshell on surfers and fans alike um i'm sure it was a little bit disheartening for the surfers that kind of got the shit end of that um but i guess at least we got to have a tour this year you know they can't be too upset they got a fair crack they got seven events um everybody you know had the same opportunity so i guess at a certain point it just is what it is but yeah now we're heading into uh the last event of the year in just a few weeks now. It's really not too far off. So I guess we'll be chatting sometime in the near future. I look forward to that a lot.